Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, happy Thursday uh, to you and yours. Uh, happy day before Friday. It is Thursday, and I'm excited because the weekend's almost here, but I'm also excited because uh, we have another uh, fantastic show planned for you today. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation uh, as it relates to uh, the Pee Wee football tragedy and uh, Mike Hickman. and we're going to continue the conversation because there are so many layers to it and this touches on so many things going on in American culture that we need to explore. And, and so I, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse. I'm not trying to uh, milk this terrible tragedy. I'm trying to use this tragedy to explain to the audience, to sports fans, any interested party, what's going on in American culture and what steps we need to take uh, to send our culture in a better direction. And so many of these things can be looked at, analyzed, and talked about through the tragedy uh, and the tragic loss of Mike Hickman in Lancaster, uh, Texas. We've been talking about it all week. Uh, Akib Tlaib's brother, Yaqub Tlaib, uh, turned himself in. He is the alleged shooter. Uh, he's likely going to argue some kind of self-defense argument. But uh, the number one question people have been asking uh, that we'll get into today is, nine and under football peewee game, how, how are guns being drawn? How are men fighting? How are brawls taking place on the field? Uh, how did we get here? And that's going to be the focus of today's conversation. How did we get here? And we're gonna focus in on a different form of grooming. And because and, we spend a lot of time talking about groomers, and when we hear that word, we think of Drag Queen Story Hour, we think of uh, uh, libs of TikTok videos of teachers in school wanting to talk to kindergartners, first, second, and third graders about their gender identity, uh, and we think of teachers wanting to talk about their sex lives with kids. And so we think of grooming as it relates to sex. And, and there's other ways to look at how young people and kids are being groomed. And it's not just this whole gender dysphoria, gender identity, gender confusion, sexuality confusion, uh, alternative sexual behaviors. We think of grooming and all we think of is sex. I connect all of that to death. That we're really grooming kids into a culture of death. And it extends beyond 
a sexual death, uh, an identity death, uh, just the way to object uh, to God's will, vision, philosophy, uh, vision for us is all part of a death culture that kids are being groomed into. And, and so there's an anti-God theology, an anti-God worldview that kids are being groomed into. And one of the strongest things that I think stronger than all the drag queen stuff we've seen, perhaps stronger than uh, the crazy purple haired teachers that are uh, putting the gay pride flags in their, in their schools and all that stuff, those guys can all take a back seat to rappers and to rap music and the music industry and the grooming that we have bit, that's been going on for 30, 40 years in the rap music world. And no one wants to talk about it because that's black culture. And if you talk about rap culture, that's racist. And if you criticize it, if you analyze it, you're racist and you just don't like black people. Well, it's hard to accuse me of not liking black people because I'm black, I like black people, I don't have a problem. The reason I'm objecting and have always objected to this style, form of music, even again, I admit, makes you wanna dance. When I was young, party to it the whole night. The entire time though, I was critical of the lyrics and like, why does it have to be this? Why can't it be rapper's delight? Why can't it just be fun party music? Why did we allow NWA to turn rap music into gangster rap music, into, into uh, obscene violence and sexual depravity and, and just why did we let them turn rap music into lyrical pornography? Without objection, without real objection. And our kids are being groomed and bathed in it and you could see it crystal clear in the sports world. And so I, I wanna start here with a video that Barstool Sports uh, tweeted out yesterday to try to tell you what's going on at these peewee football games, what's going on at these seven on seven uh, football uh, summer tournaments, what's going on in summer and AAU basketball and has been going on for years. If you listen to the music being played at these child sporting events, it's now, you go to high school football games and you'll hear the rap music and the gangster rap music throughout the stadium. The sports world has been bathed in hip hop music. And so yesterday Barstool Sports uh, tweeted out a video of a peewee football team taking the field. And I think Barstool called, this might be the greatest youth football walkout of all time. Uh, they're walking out to a 1995 mystical uh, rap song called Here I Go. Uh, let's play the video. They came all the way from May City to get their ass. Uh, and if, if I wish we had played to the end, I think you hear a woman saying, talk that shit, big baby. And these are a group of babies, kids playing football. The young boy is, you know, they came all the way to get their ass beat, blah, 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 blah. It's all been 
bathe in profanity and, and uh, uh, hyper-aggressive, violent music. It's all been bathed in that. This is commonplace. I can guarantee you, and I've talked to people that told me this, but again, I don't have it completely reported out, but I guarantee if we went to Lancaster, Texas, where they were playing those scrimmage football games, I guarantee you the stadiums were filled with gangster rap music. And we think this has no impact, and we're just wrong. This is part of the grooming process of grooming our children into a violent, pornographic, debaucherous, materialistic, uh, culture and worldview that will lead them to an early death. And, and you can't find a college athlete, or it's hard to find very many college athletes that have played at the biggest universities to the smallest universities, that if you go to their social media feeds, there will be some, some sort of two, three, four minute highlight reel that they've had put together and it's always set to rap music, always. And it's always set to some of the most uh, violent, debaucherous rap music. I, I, I don't, we're not gonna play the lyrics or the, or the music, but I think we have clips of like uh, some of the best college players from last year and the year before and their highlight videos. If you've been on social media, uh, they're all set to rap music. Anybody that follows the sports world and, and is on social media has seen these videos. They're all set to rap music, all of them. This is commonplace in football and the whole sports youth culture world. Everything is set to rap music. This is a grooming process. And so if we're wondering how at a nine and under football game, are men constantly getting in uh, violent disputes with each other? And how we got to a point where someone would bring a gun and shoot an assistant coach in cold blood. Look at the music that these sports are bathed in. This whole rap thing is grooming all of us for a violent mentality, a culture of death. There was a news story. I'm just telling you about what, what has become commonplace in sports. You can now, again, I played college football years ago in the 1980s, and, and dancing wasn't a big part of college football in my day. Now, you can't go to a game, pre-game, during the game, where dancing is a huge part of football. And it's because it's, it's all been set to music. Everyone thinks they're shooting a music video. And so I, this news story that, uh, and it's a fun, upbeat news story, but it, it shows you the process kids have been uh, put into and how they've been groomed to associate dancing with playing sports. And so let's play this news clip of some just some peewee football players. And this is all lighthearted. This, this isn't the super negative stuff, but it's an indication of how 
kids have been groomed to associate music and particularly rap music with the playing of sports. Watch this news clip. From hockey to football, football players dance after they score a touchdown typically. But when a popular song came on in the middle of this peewee football scrimmage, okay, stop what you're doing. You've got to watch this. The players couldn't contain themselves. Uh, players from both sides were enjoying a little nae there. The impromptu dance party broke out on the field, several doing the whip and the nae And while they were busy dancing, the offense snapped the ball, ran it in for six. Yeah, then they did the dance. The other dance, that is. That is so cute. They were just a little distracted, but they are little ones anyway. All right. Trust me on this. I'm 55. Uh, 48 years ago, when I was seven, 45 years ago, when I was nine, if music had been played during a peewee football scrimmage, half the team wouldn't have broken out in dance. It, it just speaks to this grooming process we've all been going through. And again, the reason why I love that video, that's not inner city, that's not all black football teams. That seemed to be a group of suburban, a mixture of black and white kids. And as soon as they hear uh, the song, the music, they start doing the whip and the nay-nay. The, the little white woman broadcast, she knows what they're doing. The, the whole, everybody's in on it. We've all been groomed. And it's a natural, instinctive movement or reaction to music being played uh, at a peewee football game. And so I, I, this, I'm going to tie it all together here uh, as it relates to why this is dangerous. And oh, this rap music is just harmless. It's just, oh, is it really? Is it really? I went to Wikipedia uh, earlier today just to run down the names of all the rappers who have been murdered all the rappers who have been murdered, and according to Wikipedia, about 77 rappers or something that have been murdered, close to 80 rappers have been murdered over the last 30, 40 years. Uh, I'm just gonna rattle off some of the bigger names uh, that have been murdered. Nipsey Hussle, Pop Smoke, XX Tenacion, so I don't even know how to pronounce his name, Notorious B.I.G., Jam Master J., Tupac Shakur, I, I definitely remember this one, Mac Dre, because I think Mac Dre was killed by some Kansas City dudes. He's from the West Coast, and that happened when I was living in Kansas City. King Von, uh, the dude over in uh, Memphis, uh, Young Dolph, uh, Archie Eversole, and I certainly remember this one because this, this is the first of all of them, Scott LaRock. Because KRS-One used to be my favorite rapper when I was a kid and Scott LaRock got killed in the 80s, probably 1987, 1986, I, I can't remember, but Scott LaRock and KRS-One, Boogie Down Production, that, that was the original rapper murdered. But according to Wikipedia, it's just according to Wikipedia, Studies, two studies in the mid-2010s concluded that murder was the cause of 51.5% of hip-hop musicians' deaths. 
That's not saying half hip hop artists die. What it's saying is the hip hop artists that have died, because hip hop is a relatively new art form. The hip hop artists that have died, half of them have died because they were murdered. That's a really high risk profession. That seems to indicate murder and hip hop music go together like peanut butter and jelly. And we're bathing our kids in hip hop music. Our kids that are playing sports are being bathed in hip hop music. They're now coming out to uh, violent rap songs. If you go listen to Here I Go, from Mystical's version to the updated version by The Hustle Gang, and where T.I.'s in it and all, everybody's in that one. And they're all rapping about killing each other. And here I go, here I am. Uh, if you're looking for me, here I am and I'll do this and I'll do that. And they dropping the N word and they talking about using drugs and they talking about killing each other. And they're talking about, we got little kids coming out to play football games to this music with their adult cultures side by side. We're playing the video of Here I Go, the updated version. I think this was made in the 2010s at some point by Hustle Gang. Little kids all being pictured and shown in these videos, in this video that's about black men killing each other. We're being groomed for death. And the adults are doing and saying nothing about it. So if you want to understand how Mike Hickman gets involved in a disagreement with a bunch of angry opposing coaches and ends up shot and killed. It's because football, basketball, all these sports have locked arms with death music. This just according to uh, Wikipedia of all the other musical genres, you're 32 times more likely to be murdered as a hip hop artist than any other genre. So don't compare this to rock and roll, hard rock, acid rock, whatever kind of, I don't, horror rock, whatever. Don't compare it to that. Marilyn Manson isn't getting murdered. Rappers are. So many rappers have been murdered, we couldn't name them all. It's commonplace. And somehow we think this is healthy, normal, and wise to attach our kids and sports leagues to a music that promotes a culture of death and violence. How did we get here? We dragged children here. We did it. I'm blaming myself. I've loved and supported this music. Now, I've been critical of it. But I've been to the rap concerts. I've met many of the rappers, shook their hands. When I met Dr. Dre, only time in my life I've ever been awestruck. This music is demonic and it's taking our children straight to hell. And we're co-signing it. And now they can't even go play sports without the violence being dragged right along with them. This is, there's, 
other angles of this I, I, I'm going to get to, uh, but I just wanted to today, I just wanted to start here, have a discussion about this. We're going to be joined by Virgil Walker, TJ Mose here in studio with me. Shamika Michelle is going to join us. At some point, we're going to be joined by Steve Kim, and I'm going to unpack a bit more of the media angle uh, to what's going on with the Aqib Tlaib, Yaqib Tlaib story, the Michael Hickman story. But I just wanted to start here. How did we get here? The musical soundtrack. Music is far more important than we're giving it credit for. People don't understand, they want to go, oh, how's it any different than the Godfather music? Or Godfather movie? Or the television show The Sopranos? You can't put on, you can't be sitting at home and hear uh, a line from The Godfather and have it take you back or have it hit you in the heart or strike you the way that music does. Music has a far more spiritual impact on you than a movie. And this hip hop music, which is based on authenticity, allegedly, you can't compare Marlon Brando, an actor, playing the role of Vito Corleone, to Snoop Dogg playing the role of Snoop Dogg and Snoop Dogg claiming to be a crip and Snoop Dogg facing murder charges early in his career, keeping it real. You can't compare that. Tupac Shakur wasn't playing a role. He wasn't acting as a thug. He was a thug and wanted everybody to know it. That's why he tatted thug life across the front of his stomach. There's no acting involved here. This isn't a fantasy world. They're trying to create a reality and they've done it. They're soldiers for the devil. They have cut a deal for the money, for the fame, for the attention, for the women, for the girls, that they will sell a satanic version of music to our kids. They've taken the paycheck. They've taken the gold chains and all the adulation for demonizing and grooming our kids. This will not have a good conclusion. It's already, we can already see it, but it will get worse. There will be a difference between kids of my generation who could quote the Isley brothers as opposed to kids in this current generation who are quoting Nipsey Hussle and Snoop Dogg. There will be a difference. If you're wondering why you're seeing so many videos of kids beating, maiming adults in the streets of New York and Philadelphia and LA, wondering why a group of 10 to 14 year olds could beat a 73 year old man in the streets of Philadelphia, it's the music. It's the culture we have created. It's the grooming that we have allowed to take place. I want to bring in Virgil Walker uh, just to check my thoughts on how the importance of music. And again, I, TJ, I was talked to Virgil earlier today and I was talking to him about um, there's a reason why music is a big part of church. Obviously, God knows and uses music 
to leave an imprint on your heart and mind. And obviously the devil knows that. And so he's come up with his version. He's got his gospel music and it's called <clears throat> hip hop and rap. And it's a death music. And, and so I, I wanted Virgil to come on and, and speak to that. Virgil, are my instincts right? Virgil from G3 Ministries, you guys know him well, so one of our newest fearless soldiers. Always, I, I think Virgil slept in that bow tie. <laughs> Uh, uh, <laughs> Virgil, are my instincts right here? Yeah, no, Jason, you, you touched on a n number of things in that open, I think that are absolutely uh, spot on. Um, you know, as, as you kind of reached out and connected and, and said, hey, you know, give me, give me the scoop on this. I, I quickly grabbed my Bible, as I always do when I think about uh, any issue uh, of, of magnitude, of importance. The Bible has, has, has things to say about it. Uh, I noted that there were more than four, more than three, uh, I'm sorry, more than more than 243 Bible verses that addressed the issue of music. And then there were more than 450 that addressed the, the, the issue of singing and what that's like. And there were more than 50 commands about singing. And so I, I share those numbers simply to say that from a spiritual standpoint, there's obviously something about music that is connected to us. Um, spiritually, whether it's uh, for us, the, 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 the rhythmic nature, the pulsating nature uh, of the music that taps into the, to the, the, the masculinity of, of, of us. And, and that's, I, I think that's what you're seeing out on the, on, on the football field, uh, or whether it's the kind of the melodic, softer tones uh, that really appeal to our, our, our more sensitive sensibilities. Um, rap music unlike any other genre, really speaks, uh, really speaks to, to, to a culture, it has a cultural narrative to it that really um, identifies itself with, with subjugation and struggle. Uh, it comes from a, a background of, of, of folks who, who haven't had and are trying to get. But here's the other thing that's happened. You and I know this well because I, we, you know, we're close in age. We watched hip hop, listened to hip hop, go from something that was kind of fun, uh, related to kind of a party type atmosphere to something totally different over the course of our lifetimes. Uh, I, I remember back in the day when I first heard uh, an NWA uh, album. Uh, it, it, it was like, I, you know, I've never, I've never done drugs, Jason, but I, I would imagine that hearing that for the first time with all the profanity and vulgarity that was in it, 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 it was like taking a hit of drugs. Uh, it went, went straight to your brain and you, you, you're thinking, oh, I, I got to have some more of this. And uh, the, you knew when you were listening to it that you were listening to something that was vile and that was not that that was not the norm. Uh, but you couldn't get away from it. I, it, it was I, I, I think the best way to say it again, like I said, I've never never taken drugs, but I would imagine it's it's very much like a drug in that way. Um, I haven't listened to a lot of rap other than the stuff that you hear, you know, sec on sec second hand from uh, places you go and, and, you know, movies you listen to or uh, or even football fields that you're on. But the, the, I, I think there was a, there was a, a day, maybe, maybe almost a year ago where I, I just I thought, I wonder what's actually on the radio. Uh, I turned it on and, and, and there were there were females who were saying things more vulgar than anything NW I ever heard NWA say back in the 80s, right? I, I, I was jaw dropped to hear what women were, were talking about, what they wanted to do and, and who they wanted to do it with. And I mean, I, I literally had to turn it off. And, and I think the point that you make is, is an important one. 
this is what our kids are listening to. Like we're, we're parents are, are co-signing for their kids to, to, to sing this and, and rap this and listen to this. And all of it's incredibly, incredibly problematic. I wonder, let, let me, let me stop. I want to bring TJ into the conversation because I don't know if you remember this a few months ago, TJ, but Chase Claypool, the wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, complained about uh, Mike Tomlin not playing rap music at practice. Mm -hmm. And so it's now commonplace at practices, college, professional level, some teams, to play music during practice. And a lot of it is the rap music that a lot of the players love. And, and it, it blows my mind. When I go into uh, football locker rooms, and I'll even say my own team, Ball State, that I'm closest to, I've been in the locker room and heard the music, and I'm just like, this is crazy. I just, I, what they're rapping about is crazy, and they're playing it in the locker room. And, and I know Ball State's not unusual. This is, common. this is custom now throughout college sports and high school sports. And, and I, it, I just don't know. I don't understand, but I do understand why no one can say no, because if you say no, you're racist. Right. It's interesting. <clears throat> um, this happened at Mizzou. This is probably commonplace. The linemen would get to the locker room first, usually, and country music would be playing until everybody else got there and it would turn to rap. And that happened every single day in our locker room. And you know, there was never a fight over it, but it would tell you a little bit. Obviously, you got a bunch of six foot six country boys from Jeff City and such, and so they liked country music. But I'll tell you, I'm guilty as charged. I, and I'm not. Uh, Obviously, I am not about that life. We were talking about that <laughs> yesterday. I am not. But what I listen to before games, T.I., Little Wayne, Little John, Jay-Z, um, those were the guys that Eminem. And for me, and I'm not defending this because it was now stupid, the stuff, you know, looking back when I turn it on, I'm like, I can't believe I used to listen to this garbage. But it puts you into a battle mindset. And that's, I was getting ready to go play a warrior sport. I couldn't listen to praise and worship music. It's like, I, that wasn't getting me ready. And so this is what it attracted me. I still have playlists on old iPods that I listened to before games. And I cannot, I, I cannot believe I put that nonsense into my head, but it was preparing me for battle. And so in these, in these physical sports, um, it, was, it was getting me ready. And, and I don't know how you, we, there's not really an alternative. So if I'm, Defending these kids are like that. There's not what else is going to get me to go out there as a middle linebacker and knock somebody's head off It is this hip-hop and rap music and and I'm going to give you the final word on this uh, Virgil, but I Used to, playing in the 80s. This music was not Commonplace easily accessible because we didn't have all the iPods and headsets and stuff that they have now. Well, we had some, but it just wasn't as easy. And so th there was other form, I mean, go way back, but again, people used to, I didn't say I'd listen to this before the game, but it used to be commonplace in stadiums. We will, we mm -hmm. will rock you. Yeah. And, and now- You play ACDC and stuff, yeah. you can do it, but it's tougher to find. I, I, and I'm just telling you, this morning when I was looking at that Barstool clip and the Pee Wee football players and here I go, 
And so I went and I was like, let me refresh my memory on this mystical song. I went and listened to his version. I went and listened to the Hustle Gang version. And I was like, oh yeah, this will get you hyped. This, yeah. this will get you ready to play uh, football, but it's just not appropriate mm -hmm. for little kids. Virgil, I'm gonna give you the final word here. No, I, I, I think, man, I, I love what, what TJ Moe just, just said, because he was honest about, here's what I experienced in the locker room. We were uh, not long ago, maybe a week ago, we were talking about Kale Gundy and what happened there at, at, at Oklahoma. My thought initially was, I wonder what kind of music was playing regularly in those locker rooms. Uh, it, because it, what, what it creates is an environment where people are comfortable saying things because they're singing those kinds of things that they perhaps wouldn't say otherwise. So there's, there's two things that are actually going on there. One is, and TJ Moe hit on it perfectly when he, when he said, you know, this, this, I was in a warrior mode. I was in a, in a battle space. And so I had to get ready. And this was what I listened to. More times than not, a lot of what that has to do with is the way that the music is constructed alongside the beat. Uh, but, but unfortunately now what's happened is the, the lyrics that get attached to that are unbelievable. Uh, and when you go back and listen, you're, you're embarrassed by it. You said it at the top, Jason, when you talked about lyrical pornography. Uh, and I also loved how you, how you attached the idea of grooming, not simply to, to, to you know, the, the sexual component that we think about uh, with regard to all these gender dysphoric issues, but you're connecting it with discipleship. And that's what's happening oftentimes with this music, whether we recognize it or not. P these young people are being discipled into the kind of lifestyle that is emulated from the music. And that's what we're seeing play out. And that's what the problem is. And thank you, Virgil. Look, I'm all for free speech, but we're headed in a direction because we've seen it in other countries, other governments where uh, reading certain Bible scriptures is considered hate speech and it's outlawed. <clears throat> and so if you read any, from, from the Bible preaching against homosexuality, same-sex marriage, any of that, that can be considered hate speech. And, and there will be people fighting to make that happen. Let's pass laws that you can't do this and let's get the Bible out of this and out of that. But kids taking the football field to lyrical pornography, talking about killing N-words and uh, you know, bitches and hoes and all of that other stuff, that's all, that's not hate speech. That's, that's the music of love. That, that's, that's black culture. That's diversity, inclusion, and equity. <laughs> you know, it's funny, in, in high school, not, I talk about my high school coach all the time. I just went and spoke at his school. Love the guy. Um, but even he knew his limits, and it's like, we can't have swear words, so we're going to play edited music. But what ended up happening was you just take the F word out and leave all the other, it's like the message is the exact same. You know, and guys act like, well, I'm just there for the beat. And, and Virgil's right that we, the way it's constructed gets you ready for battle. Like that is the pre-football game. If you're going into a contact sport, that's what you need to get ready. Uh, most guys aren't sitting there in silence, you know, going through their playbook in their head, especially defensive players who don't have to have the same, you know, running the plays and all that. Those guys are just getting ready to knock your head off. But it's like, we act like, oh, if, if you just take the swear words out, make sure nobody says the P word, make sure nobody says the F word, then it's okay. It is not okay. And again, I'm as guilty as anybody. I was the guy making the tapes 
with the edited version so we could get them played. I'm as stupid as the next guy, but I'm telling you, now looking back, and I'm only 30, but I'm like, I can't believe I did that. All right, uh, with the recent rulings from the Supreme Court, it's worth mentioning that these wins didn't happen on their own. It took the support of companies like Patriot Mobile, who have passionately fought on behalf of the unborn and your constitutional rights. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider, and they have been on the front lines of fighting for your values. This is why Patriot Mobile is different from every other provider out there. Inflation has hurt many Americans, but thankfully Patriot Mobile has plans for almost any budget, and they offer the same nationwide coverage as all major carriers. So you get the same great service, plus the knowledge that your money is going to a company fighting for the sanctity of life, religious freedom, and the Second Amendment. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Jason or call 972-PATRIOT. Use the offer code Jason to get free activation. If you're a veteran or first responder, please let them know because they have special discounts just for you. Come join our movement and make the switch today. patriotmobile.com slash Jason, patriotmobile.com slash Jason or call 972-PATRIOT. All right, you can email me, us, at fearless at theblaze.com. Uh, you can reach out to me directly. Love to hear from you. Fearless at theblaze.com. Uh, Shamika Michelle, X. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's roll out to North Carolina. We haven't heard from Shamika Michelle all week. Uh, Shamika, we've missed you. Uh, thanks for making time for us today. Uh, Want to get your thoughts as a parent. I know you don't have any sons uh, playing football, but you got daughters that did any of your daughters play sports or, or yes. just, and I, I know that you're a, a fan like me of rap music and have followed it for a long time. What do you make of my argument that uh, this rap music is basically just a grooming tool uh, leading our young people to destruction? Jason, I'm so glad TJ put himself out there first because I was thinking, gosh, I always have to rake myself over the coals. Uh, but <laughs> it's true, Jason. You know, my daughter, my middle daughter played basketball from the time she was nine years old through high school. And before her games, especially when she was in high school, we would always play ghetto boys another in the morgue. And in, in the rap, when Scarface is talking, he's talking about everything that he's going to do to this, you know, these other people. And there's a part in the rap where he's asked, what about his three boys, man? And Scarface responds, fuck him. I put it on his ass because he's bigger. Then worried about the other three we played that because it was aggressive. How much more aggressive can you get than putting another in the morgue? So when people try to act as if they don't play these types of songs because of the aggression that they know it will produce, they're lying. It's the same way when you're ready to get it on in the bedroom. You don't play Jesus on the main line. Like, no, Jesus, not right now. This is not the time. So you're right when we play these play these types of songs for kids that are five, six, seven years old. We know exactly what we're doing as adults, and we should definitely do something different. 
I, I'm, am I, you and your daughter played this music. Did you ever hear it at the gyms or not that particular song, but just rap music at the gym, warm ups during the game? Because I visited some high schools in recent years, high school sporting events, and I'm like, wow, they're playing this music at the gyms, particularly during the summer. I, I hear it a lot. It's just like the whole sports culture is bathed in this music. Yes, we would hear it at the gym. And she also played AAU basketball, which, of course, is nationwide. That's what was played while you were there. You heard it all day, every day, because it was played to, to get the kids hyped up and ready for the game and ready for battle, as TJ was saying. And it's, it's infiltrated the sports world. So many of these kids kind of equate being an NBA player or NFL player with being that type of rapper that, you know, just wear all types of jewelry and have the best cars. And that's they're they're intertwined. There's no way that we can act like it's, it's not. It is. It, it very much is. And so for me, TJ can't answer this question, but I'm going to ask him to answer it as well as you, Shamika. Yesterday, I was walking somewhere out on the street. Someone pulled up next to me, windows down, rap music blaring, all the profanity. And I just, I get embarrassed. I, I, I really, and maybe that's the old fuddy-duddy in me. Uh, but even when I was younger, and listen to a lot of that music. I never listened to it with my windows down because I, I was embarrassed by the music and didn't want to subject other people to my profane, inward lace rap music. The music has always, it's like it's best listened to on headphones. If you're gonna just poison your own mind, don't poison other people's minds with it. But, you know, I'm embarrassed by the music, and so when you hear it at a gym, and there's, I'm embarrassed whether it's just all black people, but I probably, if there are white people around, I'm even more embarrassed. How do you feel in those moments of just, because the music seems inescapable at this point. At this point, Jason, so many of the white schools are playing the same types of music. Those kids are listening to it as well. And so we can go to an all-white school. My kids went to predominantly black schools, as did I. And we can go to white schools now. Their kids, their teams are coming out to the same rap music. So if I'm in a gym setting, I don't feel bad about it because it's so popular now that everybody is doing it. And um, of course, now when I'm riding around with the music, I turn my music down when I go into a neighborhood, but I may be playing something loud as I ride through the streets. I was laying at home the other day and someone came through and sat outside at the neighbor's house just blasting music. I couldn't tell what it was, but it made me so angry that I said to myself, I'm now one of these old uh, people that used to get mad when you heard loud music. Well, TJ, what, what goes through your mind? You're on the street, you're driving your car, someone pulls up next to you, and the next thing you know, you hear MF, N-word this, N-word that. What goes through your mind? That guy's as stupid as I used to be. I used to do it. I was the guy, seriously, I remember 
specific moments in college. Remember that song, Throw It Up by Lil John? Yeah. That it's wannabe gangster for me, I'm saying. Where yeah. you're throwing up your signs of where you're from and all that. I remember having subwoofers in the back of my car, blaring that with the windows down, driving around the campus at Mizzou. I was that idiot, right? So I'm like, that guy's just as stupid as I was. He'll grow out of it. Because now, I, it was a five-hour drive to get here from St. Louis. I'm listening and studying the lyrics to It Is Well With My Soul and what that guy was going through. It's like, you mature out of that. But the problem is we were given that. And it's not, it's not like I was even going to football practice. I was just driving around campus with a buddy, and we just left an accounting class. And that's what we're doing. So it's, it's idiotic, but I was just as idiotic as the next guy. So some people will hear this conversation and say, TJ grew out of it. These other kids will grow out of it. This is no big deal. Mm. Yeah, I never came from that culture. That was, I was given the music without ever seeing, I'm from the suburbs. I was never, I think I told you this yesterday. I couldn't identify the smell of weed until I was like 22. It's like I got through half of college without knowing what the smell of weed, I couldn't identify when I walked in. So it smelled like a skunk to me. So I, I'm not, I was totally out of the culture and you could say, well, the music came in and I heard all this stuff, never saw any of it. So it's easy to disengage. If you're seeing it happen while you're hearing it, I think it's a lot harder to disengage. Shamika, what, do you th- what would you say to the people that say, Jason listened to the music, Shamika listened to the music, they're fine, these kids will be fine? I think the difference is for myself, Jason, I remember rap when it was the hip hop, the hibbit, the hibbit to the hip, hip hop, you don't stop rocking. I remember when it was that to it ain't no fun if the homies can't have none. So I had both things. And for my children, my children were fortunate enough to, to even though I would listen to Ghetto Boys or Snoop Dogg and they're familiar with that, I also gave them something else. They can also put on gospel music and listen to that. They can put on ORB and know all of the lyrics to that. Some of these kids don't have anything else. And so if that's all we're giving them, that's all they're going to be able to give out. It's just like a bank. If what you put in, you get you get out. If you're not putting anything else into these kids, we can only expect them to give us what we put into them. And so some of them, that's all they have, and they're not going to grow out of it. Why? Because they're going to be like the young man that was just murdered here yesterday in the projects, 25 years old. They're going to lose their life because they don't have anything else. We're not putting anything else into them. And so we can't assume that everybody has parents who are exposing them to something else. Coaches should do a lot better at schools making sure that they're giving these kids something that's going to reproduce what we want to see happen with them. And some kids don't have anything else, Jason. One of the things that bothers me about Little League uh, sports in general is that you see a lot of parents who are trying to live their dreams through their kids. And I see that. I saw it a lot because I was in that world. They're the loudest parents on the on the field or in the stands. They're trying to coach over the coaches. They're, they're the ones that are ready to fight at the drop of a dime because they want their children to do what they didn't get a chance to do. It's always the ones that maybe played in middle school or high school, never went anywhere and so they feel like they want their children to do this and when they do that in my opinion they limit 
what their the chances that their children have to succeed in something else. If I use my own child again for an example, Jason, my daughter is very, very smart, but she was also really good in basketball. When she was a junior or going into her junior year in high school, because her dad didn't think she was getting the playing time that he wanted her to have or the accolades that he wanted her to have, he wanted to switch high schools. And I was adamant that she was not going to switch high schools because she was smart. She graduated with a 4.3 GPA, and I knew she would get an academic scholarship. So I wasn't banking on her playing basketball, whereas he acted as if that was going to be her only solution. And so many times parents look at their kids as meal tickets and feel like this is what we have to do in order to make it out of this poor economic state. They don't say to their kids, you're going to be the next neurosurgeon or you're going to be the next top lawyer. They push NBA and NFL as if those are the only things their children can actually uh, succeed in. And I want us to stop doing that. So we groom our kids, Jason, in so many ways that we limit them early on from an early age. Shamika, thank you and great job. Another reminder why I was disappointed we didn't hear from you until Thursday. Uh, awesome job. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow, I'm sure. Uh, it might be, it might still be really hot out there, but I promise you, fall is just around the corner. So why not get ready for cooler months, the midterms, and pumpkin spice latte season with new limited edition socks from The Blaze. They're comfortable, they're fun to show off to your conservative friends, and they're sure to irritate those liberal haters you might wish you didn't even know. Uh, there's only one catch. Just like Joe Biden's grip on reality, these socks are for a limited time only, and they'll be gone by August 22nd. Kick leftism where it hurts and get Blaze Media's conservative socks today. Featuring Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump, Glenn Beck, and more, you're gonna love them. Go to blazesocks.com and get them before they're gone. Blaze TV subscribers get an extra treat. Use promo code BLAZESUB for 20% off, off your purchase. That code is only available to Blaze TV subscribers. Again, that's blazesocks.com and use code BLAZESUB for 20% off if you're a Blaze TV subscriber. Thanks for supporting America, American jobs, and American values. All right, the Korean Cosell, Steve Kim. X. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's bring in the Korean Cosell. Uh, Steve, uh, our connection's good. I, I may need you to sit for a minute or two as I unpack this. I want to unpack a little different aspect of this uh, Aqib Tlaib story. 
Pull Steve back up. I like looking at his smiling face as I'm as I'm talking. Yeah, I, Steve. Uh, you, oh, you got your fearless army swag on. I like that. Uh, and so I want to talk a little bit about a different aspect of this, Steve, with you and TJ. TJ, pay attention here as as well. Uh, and 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 I want both of you to jump in, slap me around if uh, I'm nailing myself to a cross, being a wimp crying, looking for attention or whatever. But I, I keep making the argument every day and I kind of dance around it or maybe I'm going straight at it or people are going at me on Twitter about this. But I don't like the way this Mike Hickman story is being covered. And, and I, I think it's illustrative of, of what I've been talking about, how the media fails us uh, in, in all these cases or just in, in every way possible. I understand why Donald Trump calls the media the enemy of the people. I understand why he calls it fake news. Long before Donald Trump was beating those drums, I was beating those drums. My, my entire media career from 1990 on, and even before that, but once I graduated college in 1990, has all been based on the premise that the media fails its audience. And so I've been a critic of the media from the outset. I grew up as a kid hating the way the Indianapolis Star, my local newspaper, covered the Indiana Pacers in the 70s and 80s. And that was my mindset when I got involved in this industry was, I'm not gonna be like the Indianapolis Star. I always thought like they were more worried about the executives that ran the Pacers, the coaches that ran the Pacers, and the players on the team than they were about Pacer fans and telling them the truth about what was going on with the organization. And so that's been my whole mindset and for any, all of my career has been marked by me saying, media's letting us down here. Uh, they're not covering the Don Imus, nappy-headed hoes thing with Rutgers basketball properly. Media's letting us down here. The Jenna Six case, go look it up, Jenna Six, Louisiana, Jenna, Louisiana. This is sometime in 2006, 2007 or whatever. They're covering the story all wrong. They're not giving us the right angle. And that's what I'm seeing here with Akib Tlaib, Jakob Tlaib, uh, and Mike Hickman. And, and as we continue to unpack every day all these additional angles to this story, everything that's going on with Mike Hickman and his tragic death and what went on at this Pee Wee football game speaks to a culture in sports that's rotting. And it's rotting from the inside and ESPN should be covering this. And they're not. And so they, they want to cover it as a story of, yeah, Jakob Tlaib killed somebody, and he's the brother of Akib Tlaib. And I'm like, nah, that ain't the story. I mean, that, that's part of the story, but this whole culture of violence that sports have been wrapped in by partnering with, with, with rap music, Akib Tlaib, someone that had a good Hall of Fame case, uh, sparked this incident according to witnesses that we had on this show. And perhaps the fact that Akib Tlaib was able to have a 12-year NFL career sparked many incidents on the field, get away with off-the-field misbehavior. Perhaps if he had paid a consequence, either in college or in the pros, for his misbehavior, perhaps he wouldn't have reached age 36, 37, 38, whatever he is, 
and sparked an incident that led to Mike Hickman's death. I can't find, and this is where I may be nailing myself to a cross here and just wanting attention for myself, but <clears throat> we had on three very credible witnesses that spoke from the, out of their own mouths, what they saw, what happened there, talked about uh, Aqib Talib's role in sparking the brawl, talked about uh, the incident that happened before that game, and, and, and uh, Talib's brother perhaps being involved in it. And I'm looking at ESPN, the alleged worldwide league. They're ignoring all of this. And no one's talking about it, no one's addressing about it. And they would spend hours of coverage on Tim Tebow taking a knee, but nothing on this. They would spend hours on Colin Kaepernick taking a knee, and I certainly participated in that. And there were implications uh, to what Colin Coward, that was part of a bigger narrative, this globalist agenda and anti-American sentiment and all, there were, but nothing on this, this gets at the heart, Little League Sports, gets at the heart of the entire, that's the, the whole reason for sports used to be about teaching young people good values. And we're looking at this all be perverted and thrown away and the alleged worldwide leader in sports won't cover it. Or the only aspect they wanna cover is what Yaqib Tlaib, who never played in the NFL, Far, you know, may have been a high school athlete, but I don't remember his college career. If he had one, I don't think he had one. He has, they want to cover that aspect. They don't want to cover Aqib Tlaib's role in this and all the other stories that spring from this. And it's driving me crazy. And so I'm going to start with Steve because, you know, he used to work at ESPN and he's a bit of a media expert. And he participates in all my media criticism. Am I making myself out a victim here and looking for attention for the work that I'm doing? Or am I raising legitimate points about like, I think it's crazy that this story isn't being covered in full at ESPN, Fox Sports, or any place else? Well, are you patting yourself on the back, Jason? Absolutely. And you know what? It's well-deserved. Because you're going to places <laughs> that other people simply aren't willing to, or beyond that, are not allowed to. To only talk about the actual shooting is only covering this story from a very, very superficial surface level because something led up to it. Because if Aqib Tlaib just would have been the adult and said, ah, 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 let's not do this, everyone back off, shake hands, and go home, we're not talking about any of this. Something ignited that situation, and it was an NFL player. In fact, I find it interesting that a lot of these athletes who are so quick to do hashtags and movements and tweets railing against the system and things such as systemic racism or police brutality, how many of them have actually tweeted about this and saying, hey, a man who devoted his life to kids in football passed away on a football field? I'm not saying that they haven't, but I haven't seen a preponderance of it. Also, I found it very interesting, Jason, I mean, I've been watching this show, the Barstool tweet about the entrance music, and then that news story about those kids doing the nay-nay. I've, I've said for a while, you show me the standards that you have for somebody, and that's what you think about them. And this whole attitude is very patronizing. As uh, far as I'm concerned, if I'm a coach of those little kids, I, anyone that was dancing and didn't pay attention, I'd get them right off the field and bench them. I'm a hardliner. That's just the way I am. 
And the other thing is about the music. I actually think a lot of these journalists, black, white, anything in between, they wince at some of the lyrics. They're probably uneasy that it's being played in front of kids and minors and in females, but they are afraid of the blowback. They're afraid of being called racist. They're afraid of not understanding the culture. And really, if you're black, you're afraid of these terms like coon, sellout, you know, everything you're called on a daily basis, Jason. But you're like an armadillo. You have a tough yeah. skin. You have made your choice. But a lot of these guys are simply, well, unlike us, not fearless. Make some excellent points. I, 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 the, the, the other thing as it relates to Mike Hickman and just I, I think about athletes that put George Floyd's name on the back of their helmet, Jacob Blake, Eric Garner, uh, other resisting uh, criminals who were harmed by police officers. We, I'm just we've seen nothing in my view that justifies uh, Mike Hickman being murdered. We've seen nothing that argues he was involved in some type of criminal behavior away from the football field or anything. This is a former North Texas running back, uh, worked at I believe DFW Airport, father, husband, Little League football coach. All of this stuff, we're always on the pursuit of looking for the perfect victim. This guy sounds like the perfect victim, but these people don't want to wrap their arms around him and, and celebrate him and, and talk about the value of his life and what this event signifies and, and, and explains. And it just, it pisses me off. And yes, I, I guess I am to some degree patting myself and this show on the back for covering this appropriately. But, but I, I look at this whole thing and just, and, and just go all the way to Thomas Jefferson about we're not being told the truth. The public isn't. We're, they're not being told what's actually important and reacting to that. Uh, and, and that's the media's job, to put the truth and, and what's important in front of people so they can make better decisions. And, and Again, we're ignoring the fact that we've created a toxic culture around Little League sports and all of sports that's unhealthy and taking us down a bad path. You know, as, far, as it relates to ESPN and Fox Sports that you're talking about, uh, you brought up Jacob, Jacob Blake and George Floyd. You know, Stephen A. Smith and most of ESPN did a two-year anniversary of George Floyd's death. They found time to celebrate that and when I Google Mike Hickman ESPN, do you know the only thing that comes up is a YouTube segment from us that says why ESPN isn't talking about Mike Hickman. <laughs> That's what comes up. It, nothing from them. All they have is a story they wrote three days ago about Jacob Tlaib, seen as the shooter. So it's like, you got Randy Moss, who when John Gruden says somebody has big lips, he cries on TV and says, the clock is ticking, man, I'm sorry. That moves him enough that he's got to do a full segment about it. But in a man, I guarantee you Randy Moss growing up had some committed black fathers helping him get to where he wanted to be. And when one is picked off for no reason, he's got nothing to say about it. Makes an excellent point there, Steve. I mean, they, they, we, we, we've had L. Duncan do commentaries on Don't Say Gay <laughs> in Florida mm. uh, about some law that's trying to you know, put some restraints on teachers and what they can talk about with three, four, and five, six-year-old kids. 
She's doing commentaries on that. Mike Hickman assassinated on video at a peewee football game. Kids are dramatically infected by this. And nothing. That's what I would label the approved messaging. The overlord simply will let certain things out and they'll expunge others. But you talk about the culture of youth sports. Let's get into the specifically football. Uh, I've happened to have struck a relationship with a guy that does a very good YouTube channel, specifically covering youth football in Dade County. His, uh, he goes by the name of Streeter. Channel's called Football Bill. I, I would highly recommend to anyone that has interest in that. Also, a man by the name of Coach Hayes, who actually coached at the college level, really good, intelligent football talk. And they've both done videos, and they've explained to me in private one of the reasons why things get so out of hand with a lot of these games is gambling. That a lot of the people that are drug dealers or the underworld, they put a large amount of money. We're talking tens of thousands of dollars on peewee football, and they treat it like a Super Bowl. So when people ask, wow, they're certainly taking it seriously, why? That's a large part of it. So again, if you want to delve into this about what is the cultural rot, what is the root cause of this behavior, what is precipitating all this violence, well, that's a part of it. It's not just Yaqib Tlaib losing his temper and then letting shots go. If you're going to cover that, then you're not covering the story. You're taking the easy way out, which unfortunately uh, most of the mainstream media is. But I am seeing, and I've sent you some of the videos, uh, Jason, a lot of the content creators on YouTube that I would call, quote, unquote, the new media that's independent and free, they're actually covering this story pretty in-depth. It actually gives me a lot of hope that people are waking up. Steve, you, you just led me to a great point of where I think corporate media has gone. And, and what corporate media is very comfortable with, corporate sports media in particular, is covering stories from 15, 20 years ago. Now we can tell you the truth. What if I told you 30 years ago, the Miami football program had X, Y, and Z going on. And here's how athletes went broke 30 years ago. And so they're, yeah. they're, they want to do journalism, historical journalism. Yes. They don't want to do real time journalism. And that's what we used to do. That's how you used to win awards and be celebrated, you would actually cover the news in real time. I'm gonna go back to uh, me and a guy named Jason King that uh, worked at the Kansas City Star with me. Jason King worked at ESPN and Bleacher Report, uh, Yahoo, well-known sports writer. We won an award in, I don't remember which year, but a uh, basketball player at Kansas got into a brawl uh, with uh, some townie in Lawrence. Basketball player's name was J.R. Giddens, and I can't remember, I think he said the kid tried to stab him or J.R. But anyway, we reported out the story in real time, within days of this event, and it ended up J.R. either getting kicked off the team or whatever, but we won awards for that. Not waiting for the police to tell us what happened. We went out and interviewed people that were there that night, we ended up talking to the, I, I can't remember, Cresswell or something like Jeremiah Cresswell. I, I maybe was, the, was some low life or perceived to be low life person at the time. <laughs> Jeremiah Cresswell, I think is his name. But 
And so I was talking to Jason King yesterday about this story, the Mike Hickman thing, and how it reminded him of back during that time when you actually covered stories in real time, where I think now the standard is, no, you wait until it's safe, and there's a 30-year distance. And so 30 years from now, or 15 years from now, ESPN will do a 30 for 30 on Mike Hickman and Aqib Tlaib when it's safe, when Aqib Tlaib is maybe finishing out his broadcasting career and he's laying in a bed of money and he paid no consequences. Well, now we can tell you the truth and now we can interview all the people that say Aqib Tlaib started this now that he's safe and out of danger. And, and that's what, and so they're, they get celebrated for 30 for 30 and, and that's safe sports journalism. The high risk in real time journalism, they want no parts of. Well, Jason, I believe that is the threat of being canceled. If you say something or write something or report something that is not quote unquote on code, then all of a sudden there's a mob mentality and many of these guys, for lack of a better word, are gutless. It's the truth. I saw it at ESPN from my editors. And you have to make that decision. Are you going to be a renegade and be able to tell some hard truths and then not back down? Unfortunately, if you work in the corporate legacy media and you're one of those one percenters that's making millions of dollars, you don't ever think about getting off that safe little space that you have. And by gauging the temperature of the public, a certain segment of the public, and then going with that. And I think it's the most dishonest thing right now. What's going on with journalism? I think Woodward and Bernstein are probably rolling over in their graves. And I don't even know if they're dead, but I think they're at least disgusted if they're alive. Um, Jason, I want to make this point about hip hop. I've been watching the show. You said there's been about 50, 60 hip hop deaths. That, that number is actually very low. I'm just telling you, it's actually into the hundreds. And I'll give you some examples. The guy that I call the Black Walter Cronkite of Urban America, Ock Nation News, he's done numerous stories the last two years. There are many regional rappers across the country that you don't know of that are actually making a living that are getting slain. We're talking numerous times over and over again. It's become so commonplace that hip-hop has become a blood sport. Nobody really reports on it. The days of Biggie and Tupac in 96, 97 becoming front-page news, um, that's over. The other thing is, I was turned on to this uh, YouTube channel called Philly Reddit. It's actually a, a, a YouTube channel devoted to the hip-hop wars going on in Philadelphia, which has become an absolute war zone um, in certain segments. And it's all over the lyrics and ops and this trap and drill music going on. So uh, when you say 40 to 50 to 60, I actually think it's in the hundreds. I actually said 77, according to Wikipedia, but I okay. hear you. I think that number's low as well, and it's hard to keep up with all the local rappers that, that, that get smoked. I want to make, TJ, do you want to jump in? Or I had another point I was going to make. You go ahead. I, I, the other point I wanted to make was, let's take journalism out of it. And let's just take, let's put talk shows in it. And, and so I'm sure there's talk shows, sports talk shows right now that are, Oh, that's just not what we do. We don't talk about that kind of stuff. We've built our show around debating Mount Rushmore's, and we've built our shows around 
is LeBron better than Michael Jordan? And we built our show around all this nonsensical, worthless, harmless, uh, low-hanging fruit conversation. And, you know, we just don't do that. And so, yeah, that's mm. great. Whitlock, you, you do that. Uh, that's just not what we do. And, again, they've built this little fake, tough guy world that they live in, and they've built a little safe space for them to talk about sports and get rich and, and not talk about what's really going on. And so it's when I talk about why I needed to break ties with corporate sports media, it's because they don't want to actually inform the, the public. They actually don't want to be worldwide leaders in any conversation. They want to do little safe conversations. Do Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant like each other? Uh, you know, is LeBron James X, Y, and Z? And does, who's in the top five? And I don't, there's nothing wrong with those conversations because we'll do some of that on this show. Yes. But I'm not going to watch the sports world light itself on fire and go down in flames. And I'm certainly not going to watch them take little kids with them and, and see the sports world constructed environment where little kids aren't safe. So I get that you're doing a talk show and I get that you're making a lot of money and I get that you're popular. You don't have to be a coward. You don't have to watch kids get destroyed and see their life. Because all of this is driven by, for me, how great my childhood was. And I want that for other kids. There was no threat of gun violence when I was playing peewee football. There weren't uh, dope dealers betting on our peewee football games. We, weren't even, we actually practiced and played football without music blaring of any kind. We didn't listen to the Jackson 5 when it was when we were practicing, and we still had fun. We, and so we didn't need rap music, Blair. And we had fun, and it was a great experience, and I learned values that helped me move along in life. And I get that most people have authentically sold out for the money, and, and, but I'm going to criticize them. I'm going to point it out. I don't care who's, and again, I'm talking about anybody with a national sports talk, radio, or TV show. So fill in any name you want. I've worked with them. I've been friends with them. I like some of them. But if they're not talking about this, it's because they're cowards. And it's because they've sold out for the money. I've worked with them. I'm friends with them. I have respect for them. They have sold out. They don't care about anything but making money. And so you can, I've worked with them all. And some of them, I mean, I really love. I'm making a different choice. This show's making a different choice. This is why I, I, I'm, and who, maybe the audience is all cowards as well. Maybe, and there is a possibility that Sports fans don't want to know what's going on and don't care what's going on with kids and peewee football and don't want to talk about this stuff. Maybe I'm the nutty person and maybe we should be talking about how many snaps Baker Mayfield's going to get this weekend in his preseason game and maybe I'm the idiot. 
Jason, I'm going to die on that hill. Go ahead, Jason, Steve. Let me make this point. Not only are they doing Mount Rushmore, now you have talk show hosts talking about why you shouldn't use Mount Rushmore. And for that, Jalen Rose should have a monument built to his stupidity and illogical nature. But let's get serious on this. If you hold, hold, hold for one second, don't run. Hold on. Remember the point you're about to make. Please remember. Don't yes. forget. Uh, I'm old and I would forget. But that Jalen Rose point you're making is very important because Jalen Rose, he's from the hood. He's from Detroit. He's got the Jalen Rose Academy that he he's allegedly has a passion for kids. He's connected to the basketball world. He can see all of this stuff playing out in summer basketball and AAU basketball and the, the, the culture that's around that now as opposed to when he was a kid. And so I haven't named a bunch of names, but I will throw Jalen's name in there. At this, He's got a show, Jalen Jacoby. He's he, uh, on radio. He's on TV. He should be talking about this. This affects... No. In particular, black kids and all just keep all these guys. They love black kids and they're so concerned that they just want justice for them. Oh, my God. The kids, the kids, the kids. Colin Kaepernick is doing all this for the kids. Has Colin Kaepernick said a word about Mike Hickman? Kids are affected. Mike kid has Mike Hickman has a nine year old son, no. two daughters. They're affected by his murder. Those kids that witnessed that traumatized by his murder. Oh, these these got these social activists. They they just try to do it for the black people. They down and you selling out Whitlock. You a sellout. Colin Kaepernick's keeping it real. He's for the black kids. You for the white folks. He's a coward. And all the people supporting him cowards. Charlemagne the God, coward. If I'm on the Breakfast Club, I'm talking about this because I care about black people, allegedly. They're cowards. They've sold out. They're taking the check. It's just a game to them. Had to get that tangent in, Steve. I hope you haven't forgotten your point. Well, Jason, you teed me up here. Uh, it's like stalking them alone because the only way Colin Kaepernick would have spoken out about this or tweeted is if a white cop would have killed Mike Hickman, trust me, he would have come out barking like a Doberman, very loud. But let's just make this comparison here. Jacob Blake was a man who got into an altercation. He actually broke the law by getting close to a woman there was a restraining order against. He did not comply. He was reaching for a weapon. Then he gets shot and killed that had nothing to do with sports. There was no sports relationship, yet you had teams like the NBA, Milwaukee Bucks, in the bubble almost threatening to walk out over that. Okay, certainly their choice. Now we take a look at what happened this past weekend in Dallas. There's a NFLer who had a very long career who actually sponsored the league, whose brother shot somebody. My view is very simple. If you can talk about Jacob Blake as much as you did, you can at least bring up Mike Hickman. I'll just leave it at that. Steve, th I'm going to let you go because I'm going to rant a little bit more and then we're going to end the show. Hmm. I wanted to talk to you about Deshaun Watson, but I really don't care. He got 11-game suspension, which I think is crazy. 
Why wasn't it a 10-game suspension? Oh, because the NFL wants his comeback to be against the Houston Texans. Mm. It's all just a TV show. They're all in on it. It's all a gimmick. They don't care about Deshaun Watson's uh, suspension or his uh, misbehavior, bad conduct. It's what will make a good TV show? Oh, let's have an 11-game suspension rather than a 10-game suspension. So his comeback is against Houston Texans, and we can all cash in on it. That's my thoughts on Deshaun Watson. I may have more to say on that tomorrow. But I want to get back. I just want to end the show. And you can play tomorrow, and who knows how long I'll go on here. But uh, I, I want to make a, just a final point here. But again, I just want to hammer this point about the kids and all these fake people that are pro-black and... Uh, they're doing everything they can for, for black progress. And Whitlock, you just hate black people. Yourself. You hate yourself. I, I, no, I don't. I'm actually trying to promote a positive environment for black kids so that they can have the same experience I had. I didn't grow up with a bunch of money. I was poor, but my experience was awesome because the culture was far healthier and far more positive and far more obedient to God's will and vision than this one we're leaving for kids now. Every, I've met most of the rappers, you ever hear them fall out of my name, I've met them in some capacity at some point. Met them, but I'm just sorry. The music is demonic, it's satanic. It's intended to groom young people towards self-destructive behavior. They've sold out. They've cut a deal with the devil. Snap out of it. I'm talking about all of you that worship them and think, oh my God, how can you criticize Snoop Dogg? Don't you know? His weed is specifically designed to help black people. Snoop is pro-black. Snoop is pro-Snoop. Proop is pro-making money. Uh, Snoop put it in his music. He cut a deal with the devil. Those are just the facts. All of them have. All of them have. And many of the broadcasters in the sports world and all throughout all of media, they've cut deals for money. And then they play a game like they're down and, oh, let me put up a Black Lives Matter. Let, let me, let me uh, be pro-diversity, inclusion, and equity. Let me uh, support the LGBTQ committee, uh, uh, community. They're our allies. Let me cut a video uh, against the don't say gay th deal. Let me do a gesture that has no risk. Let me do a gesture that's gonna put more money in my pocket and prolong my career. That's what they do. Take a real risk, talk about things that they, they don't want talked about, won't happen. They'll come, <laughs> that's not what we do on our show. I you know, my audience doesn't want that, and sports fans don't want that. They want to know, what, what's Baker Mayfield going to do on third and seven? I'll probably be back on this topic again tomorrow. There's a lot to discuss, but we'll, we'll try to make sense of some other things. I may 
let someone else talk about Deshaun Watson and his mysterious 11-game suspension. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we'll see you tomorrow. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my sister, no relation, we all just want to have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone, I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back, we are receiving, all receiving, we all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want, I want to be, I just want, I want to be, I just want, I want to be, I just want.